chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26, as we again take a pause from our study of the first year uh, in honor of Memorial Day. Of course, tomorrow is Memorial Day, it's a time for remembering people who were very important to our lives. Since 19, 1971, Memorial Day has been observed annually the last Monday in May. The initial purpose of Memorial Day would have been going on for quite a while, but the initial, the initial purpose was to honor the nation's military personnel who had been killed in active duty. So it is a patriotic holiday. It has to remember all those whom we have lost. We also remember those killed in action who died defending the God-given freedoms that our nation holds so dearly today. Initially, Memorial Day for many years was called Decoration Day, so not uh, many, uh, many uh, rural cemeteries, especially, will hold Decoration Day, so not on Memorial Day weekend, uh, because you know that was that was called Decoration Day because as part of what we now would call Memorial Day, they would go to decorate the graves of the soldiers uh, with flowers and flags that day. Day, uh, Memorial Day is a day that is marked by parades and Memorial Day speeches and ceremonies. We don't just decorate the, the graves of fallen soldiers. Uh, today we decorate the graves of loved ones who have gone on before us as well. You know, I always love going to decoration out of Wood Springs when I was a kid or out of Rock Creek and family would gather and there would be a church service and food served on the grounds. Kids would play and people would catch up on, on things about years gone by and the graves would be decorated. And, you know, it's just a way to say thank you. It's a way to honor those who made sacrifices for us. It's a time to remember where we have been and how we became who we are today. And so this morning as we dive into this passage, let me encourage you to no matter what your age, no matter where you are in life, I want to encourage you and invite you to stop with us and consider where we have been as a nation and as a people of God. This morning we're going to look at a passage in the book of Leviticus where God is delivering a message to his people that he wants them to remember. He wants them to remember specific things. And he was reminding them of where they have been and how they got to that particular moment in history when he's speaking to them. He's reminding them where they've been, how they've got to where they are. And some of those same things that God is saying to remind his people in that day, so many thousands of years ago, it's just as relevant for us this morning. And so this morning, we're going to read Leviticus chapter 26. We're going to start verse 9. Just for a little context, read down to verse 13, but what we're going to look at will specifically come from verse 13 is we see four things that we need to remember on Memorial Day. So we are in the book of Leviticus chapter 26, starting in verse 9. These are the words of God to his people. I will turn to you. Make you fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old grain of the previous year and will clear out the old to make room for the new. 
I will place my residence among you, and I will not reject you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live. Father, we pray that you would help us to see clearly these very simple, yet very deep and uh, uh, very meaningful reminders this morning as we celebrate all that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So four things to remember on Memorial Day. We're just going to jump, jump in. The first thing we see, now all these coming from verse 13, the first thing we see is that we need to remember who God is. He says the very first thing in verse 13, I am the Lord your God. He wants them to remember who he is. You know, legend has it that if you want to trap a monkey, that you can create, you should create a cage or a box with a tiny, tiny slit inside of it, just big enough for the monkey to get its hand in that box or that cage. And what you put in the box or the cage is a banana or something that the monkey would see as a treat. And the monkey comes along and puts his hand in the little slit to grab the banana. But the problem is with the monkey and what traps it is that it's so enamored with that treat, they're unwilling to let it go. And the hole that was big enough to get their hand in is not big enough to pull their hand out with that banana. It's just hard to believe that, that even a, a primate like that could be so bold. But you know, Humanity, we as human beings, we are just as vulnerable as a monkey looking for a little treat. That's why we must effort to remember who God is. You know, people in our culture today are reaching after so many bananas. The problem is, is that the bananas that we reach for, they sometimes look real good on the outside. Reach for them, we find that they are very dangerous for us because we're unable to let them go. And if, by some reason, if by some reason we can pull that banana out of that cage and actually eat it and consume it, it would poison us from inside out. See, Satan's done a great job, way of job, of deceiving us as believers and as people. Deceiving us into thinking that we don't really have a strong need for God and the Bible. That's one of the great deceptions of our culture today. Satan uses a lot of these little banana traps, these little deceptions to entice us into his way of existence and not God's way. The old use deceptions we hear all the time. Christian morality is openly judgmental. Why don't you go to church? Why aren't you a Christian? Because there's no judgment in right? Translation, there's probably something in my life that God might not like, and I don't want to change. That's usually the translation. Not always, but usually. 
they will say things like, well, you know, all religion is basically the same. You know, they all say, don't, you know, don't steal, you know, don't murder each other. Friends, that's not true. I mean, you may, there is some code of morality for any religion, why? But Christianity is separate in, 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 in very unique in comparison to every other sort sort of non-Christian faith system that's out there. Satan will deceive us into thinking that the Bible is an old and one relevant book that was written by men and cannot be trusted. And while it is true that actual people can the write, uh, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God who was perfect in his existence. Okay? So Satan will say, well, you know, the Bible is just old and irrelevant. We can't trust it. For instance, not true. Satan will trick us into thinking there's more than one truth. We hear that all the time. My truth, your truth, and everything except God's truth, right? What's true for you? What's true for you? Satan will trick us into thinking that love is whatever you define it to be. As long as you have some butterfly feelings in your, in your little tummy and your heart just flutters for a certain thing, we'll call that love. No matter how God defines love, we, we get to define love. Love is love. That's what we say. Satan has done a famous job of deceiving us, putting little bananas, these little traps we reach into. We just don't want to know it. God says to his people, remember who I am. He says, remember who it is that you serve. Remember who's in charge here. Remember who loves you. Remember who has created you. Remember that I created you, God says, for a reason. Remember who it is that you are called to serve. Folks, you and I are called to serve the Lord our God. That means if we're going to serve the Lord, it's not just a box that we check off. That means that you and I, as believers in Christ, will turn our eyes to Him. We turn our eyes and we look to Him to define for us what it means you know, what is good and what is evil, what it means to love, what it means to be a person of integrity, to be honest, to be trustworthy. We look to Him to define those things. We look to Him to lead us. We look to Him for approval and disapproval of our actions, our thoughts, and our attitudes. We don't look to culture. We look to God. Means that even when the world tries to assure us that certain things are harmless and other things are critical, we defer to God and not to the world. That's one of the reasons that God reminds his people, I am the Lord, your God. Friends, God is not financial success. You may be financially successful, that's great, praise God. But it, but that's 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 not God. Okay? God is not Celebrity and popularity. God is not defined by what offends and what does not. Friends, God is true. And He is not defined by any human standards. He is the definer of humanity. Humanity is not the definer of God. On Memorial Day, I want to encourage us, number one, to remember who God is. Number two, we need to remember what God is. Remember what God said. He, he says, I am the Lord your God. Who? Who am I? I am the one that, that did certain things for 
one that brought you out of Egypt. God reminds Israel that it was he that ever liberated them from the shackles of slavery. You see, the book of Leviticus was written somewhere you know, within 20 or 30 years after the Exodus, after God, and so through Moses, God would lead his people out of Egypt. You know, that's how most people feel. You know that, right? About 20 or 30 years after that. So what that means is that is that the people living in Israel that day, many of them had a first-hand knowledge of what it was like to live as slaves within Egypt. Just like, it, it, you know, I'll tell you, you know, I go to a lot of funerals these days, I, I participate in a lot of funerals these days, and there's just something about people that were born, you know, before the Great Depression or right in the middle of the Great Depression, the people that grew up in the 1930s, and they're old enough to remember the Dust Bowl, and they're old enough to remember the struggles that came along with that. You see, it's a whole different mindset than what we see from modern generations. And part of the reason is that those folks that live through that, they remember, they have a first-hand knowledge of how bad it really was and how much we don't ever want to have to go back to that, right? You know, it shocks me sometimes to see so many in our culture today Easily they can dismiss things like Memorial Day. I saw a news today on YouTube that was through a news organization where they were on a college campus talking to students about Memorial Day, and one college student had, had said that he would not celebrate American holidays because after he took a certain class in college, he now believes that America is an imperialistic, evil type of nation. It, it shocks me. Something else caught my, caught my attention just yesterday. Scrolling through Facebook, and somebody had shared this, but there was a, a Facebook post that you probably saw was a picture of these soldiers in World War II in one of those transports. You know, one of those transports that will bring the soldiers right up to shore where they were going to enter into a battle. So all these young guys, and it's interesting because there was some diversity in that picture, and some of the guys were smiling, some of them looked terrified, realizing that they may not make it back. 90% of the soldiers on the first boats that hit the beach in places like Omaha and Normandy, 90% of them did not live to see the end of the day. The post says, look at these faces. Some of them never made it to 18. Some of them never voted. They never, they never loved a person. They never owned a home. They gave their lives fighting Hitler and the Nazis. Listen to this. It says, they gave their lives fighting Hitler and the Nazis so that today's kids can tell everyone they don't lie, can call everyone they don't lie, Hitler. We have forgotten. Our nation has forgotten so much about who God is and what God has done. We do the exact same things in our relationship with God. So now we forget what God has done. 
uh, what all God has, has accomplished and brought forth to bring us to where we are today. Think about, friends, what God has done in your life to bring you right here to this moment. God says, remember, he says in Leviticus, remember who I am. He says, remember, I'm the one that saved you from the shackles of slavery. He said, what does that mean for us today? Well, there are two things. And we're going to spend a little extra time on this second point. Okay, so don't get too scared by talking about point number two a little longer. It's point three before we go a little bit. But there are two things that, that I think are important for us today when we look at this passage and, and God says, I'm the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. See, the Exodus of Egypt symbolizes and foreshadows in Scripture how Jesus would one day liberate his people from the shackles of sin, from the shackles of spiritual slavery, from being spiritual slaves to sin. I want to read you a passage from John 8 and be up on, up on the board. It says this, uh, John uh, chapter 8. Oh, lost my spot. John 8, 34 to 36. Okay? And this is what Jesus says. He says, I assure you, this is Jesus talking, John chapter 8, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. For example, that causes us, that should cause all of us to pause and ask the first question, have I ever sinned? Have you ever committed sin? I'm not asking if you committed murder. I'm not asking if you would walk away or hurt some child. I'm asking if you have ever broken even one of God's rules. Even one. Like, like not honoring your parents when you're a kid. One of his rules. Like maybe just tell them just a little, little, itty bitty little lot Have you ever seen I stand here before you and tell you, I am guilty as charged. Okay? I have sinned. And if all of you are honest in the room and watching and listening today, if we're all honest, the reality is, is that we all have sinned. Jesus says, He says that if you commit sin, then you have become a slave to sin. Even one of the smallest of God's rules. He goes on to define this for us. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a slave to sin? Well, in John chapter 8, going on to verse 35, he says, A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So here's, here's what he's getting at. See, if you're a slave or a servant within the household, that means that you don't have any particular claim on that property. You're just an employee. Hey, I just work here. I don't own the place, right? That's what that means. You're just an employee. You're not an owner. You're not a you're not an heir. Many of you are familiar with the song, the old country, you know, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. 
that white land where it will never fall. Why? You see, when you are a child of God, your name is put on the deed to that mansion. Along with every other child of God, just like many of you as you get older and you start thinking about transitioning your your property to your heirs, many of you will deed over your property. And you'll put the, all the names of the heirs on that property. But that's what happens when you and I come to Christ. You see, our name was put on the deed. And, and, it's a, and so that when we pass from this life to the next, there's going to be a place for you and I in the heavenly house of God. But sin has made you a slave, and what that means is that you have no claim to that deed. You have no part, no legal claim to the heavenly home that God wants to give you. John 8, 35 says, A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Verse 36, Therefore, if the son sets you free, capital S, talking about the Son of God, if God's Son sets you free, then you will really be free, or some translations, you are free indeed. So how does it how does the son set us free? How do we how do we break the bond and the shackles of sin? Well, John tells us in John chapter one, verses twelve and thirteen. But to all who did receive him, talking about Jesus, he talking about Jesus gave him, who's still those who received him, the rights the legal claim, the spiritually legal claim to be children of God, and that is to those who believe in His name. Well, what does that mean to believe in His name? They are born not of blood, or not of the will of flesh, or the will of men, but of God. You see, when you are born of God, when you are spiritually reborn, as Jesus says to Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3, then you are made new, but you are also at that point adopted into the family of God, and you become an heir of heaven at that moment. Think about what Jesus has done for us. Friends, I've asked you, no matter where you are, the question is this, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you been born of God? The Bible says that he laid down his life for you. And he did that so that you and I would be free from the slavery of sin. So that you and I would become a child of God, adopted into his family, freely receive the gift of eternal life. You say, well, Pastor, how do I, how do I get there? Where's the, where's, the, where's the shift? Where's the change? Well, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. It's not about what you say, it's about what's in your heart. Because the truth is, what comes out of your mouth is often a reflection of what's in your heart. Right? What's in the well comes out of the bucket, my pastor used to say. Confess with your mouth because you believe. Do you believe? Have you received him? Have you asked for his forgiveness? Folks, listen, we must not lose sight of what God has done in our 
wants. We see that happening in our nation. We see it happening all around us. We are living in the days of great cultural conflict. I don't want to use the word war because I don't want to give the impression that we need to be physically fighting one another, but there is a great cultural conflict. A conflict in which the enemy of God has infiltrated the fabric of our culture where people are divided and greatly misinformed about the history of our nation. They are divided on issues of God, on issues related to the Bible and what it teaches and whether or not the Bible can be trusted by modern culture. The enemy of God has breached our education system. This has nothing to do with our teachers or administrators who are serving on the front lines. But many of the things that those very high up in our nation demand that be taught in our nation and to our children today. Some of that is just not true, folks. The enemy of God has breached institutions like that with lie after lie and deception after deception. One of the great exceptions of modern culture is the notion that the United States of America, and forgive me for paraphrasing here, but there's this notion that the United States of America was founded by evil for the purposes of evil in order to benefit only those who are evil. You listen to some of the things that they said in the meeting today, not everything that's being taught on every campus, but some of the things that are in some of the books that we expect our, 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 our people that are being educated to read and learn, that basically is what's being taught. It's just so true. You know, we had uh, uh, went to Target yesterday, uh, and, you know, we were, well, I guess we were out of Target. We didn't actually go there. But, you know, out of Target, there's a guy standing out in the corner of the parking lot. He was one of these street preachers. And these guys always intrigue me. Because you never know, sometimes these guys are saying good things, and just sometimes, you know, you're there to, you know, in a harsh way. Sometimes these guys are just saying all kinds of craziness. But this guy was out there, he was ranting and raving. Of course, our wheels were up, and we didn't really hear him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had multiple songs set up and said things like America is doomed and that kind of stuff. And so I took Leah to the bottomless pit that I call TJ Maxx because when I take her there, she doesn't come. So, so I knew that I was going to have, like, go to at least three stores while she was in there. And so the stores that I wanted to go to were across the road, so I had to get out of the, the main parking lot there. I found myself next to this fella. It was such a beautiful day. Uh, you know, yesterday, the cool breeze, ooh, my kind of day, right? And I had my windows down, so I was sitting there waiting for traffic, waiting for my way to go, and he saw my windows down, and he saw an opportunity, and he says, hey, hey! And so I looked over, and he says, hey, he says, America's not in the Bible, but you know what it is? Babylon, and God's going to destroy Babylon. And I was like, okay. And I thought, you know what else is in the Bible? That prophet's But I just, I didn't know if I should, I just got smiled at got a nod at it, and you know, I couldn't sit there have a conversation with him, there were people behind me. I wasn't really sure if I was, should laugh at him, pray for him, or, or what. And so I went across the road, went to actually four stores, okay? 
go back, still not ready. So I decided to park, you know, in the parking lot there in front of the store, maybe thinking, well, that was a lady. But as I was sitting there in the car, I was thinking about what this guy was <laughs> saying. And I was thinking about, um, you know, just, you know, what he said about the impending doom of the United States. Really, here, here's the thing. Number one, the biggest problem that I had with the guy is that for the 45 to 50 seconds that he had my attention, where he, he didn't know me, he didn't know I'm a preacher, he didn't know I, me from Adam, I could have been, you know, I, I could have been a hard right, as far as he knew. And so, you know, he had my attention. He didn't say one thing about Jesus. He didn't say one thing about forgiveness. He didn't say one thing about God's grace or what it means to be a child of God. All he wanted to talk about was the giving doom of the United States. And so, you know, as I was thinking about that, I really began to think, you know, not everything that God said altogether completely incorrect. You know, even false leaders and false prophets, I don't know this guy, so I'm not saying that about him, but even the worst of false leaders and false prophets, they don't all say everything that's untrue. They, they sprinkle truth in, you know? It's like, a, a, it's like you know, you hear out the country people say, even a blind squirrel climb a whatever once in a while, right? So sometimes, every once in a while, there can be a Brand truth in something that he said. And there's no doubt whatsoever that our nation is in great danger today. And as a nation, you know, I was thinking about what he said and how the fact that as a nation we have openly embraced some of the most evil, detestable, socially destructive sins that any nation has ever embraced. In fact, um, history shows us that when a culture begins to embrace such a reality, that it's not far from real things. And so there's no doubt that, that, uh, that we are in a dangerous place. There's no doubt that if our nation, as a nation, does not turn from its sins, we can find ourselves living in bondage and in control of another nation that does not care about God and would not recognize our God-given liberties. Where people do not recognize the reality of God's word or care anything about what's right in God's eyes. If our nation does not repent and turn back to God, the truth is God could do to us what he did to Israel. See, see with Israel, Israel, Babylon for Israel was, was not Israel being destroyed. Part of Israel and Babylon's interaction is that God allowed Babylon to rise up and as punishment for Israel's sins, God allowed Babylon to conquer Israel, and they had to live under the favor of Babylon for some 70 years. Right? So that absolutely could happen. I'm not prophesying. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm saying it could happen. We see the historical precedents uh, in Scripture, but I'm telling you this. Oh, it doesn't happen, but I sure don't want to put God to that test, okay? Because the truth is, folks, you and I are stewards of this nation. We are not owners of this nation. God has given us this nation, and the truth is, when we read Scripture, the further we move away from God, the more likely it is that He 
will take it away. And so we need to understand who we are as a people, what God has done. And listen, there's, there's no doubt that, that the morality of America has greatly declined, and our nation as a whole has moved away from the things of God. And here's what we need to understand that's not who we were supposed to be. That's, that, that's not where we came from. That's not what we were founded on. Okay? Christianity has, uh, the, the, our nation was founded on the basic principles of biblical Christianity. You say, well, preacher, that's not what many folks are saying today. Well, that might not be what some folks are saying today, but the people that were there, that's what they said. That's what they were. John Allen, second president of the United States, signer of the Declaration of Independent, great diplomat, signer of the Bill of Rights, said, that the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the only principles in which a beautiful assembly of young gentlemen could unite. And he goes on and he says, and what were these general principles? I answer, he said, the general principles of what? Christianity. That's, that's, that's our nation bubbled out of Christianity. Benjamin Rush. Signer of the Declaration of Independence, former Surgeon General of the Continental Army, ratified the United States Constitution, known as the father of American medicine, once said, now look what he said, says this. He says, I do not believe that the Constitution was the offspring of inspiration. This is what he means. He, he says, I'm not saying that the Constitution is on the same level as the Bible. He says, they're not on the same level. The Bible is the Bible. That is the ultimate authoritative work of God. He says, but I am satisfied that it is as much a work of divine providence, talking about the Constitution, as any other of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testament. So he's saying that there are government it, it is not dividing uh, inspiration in that like on the same level of scripture. It's not a religion, but it is a gift of God. The way that Jesus healed a man's sight, made the blind to see, made the lame to walk. That our nation is that kind of gift. And friends, I believe that to be true myself. President Reagan correctly summarized that America was founded by people who believed that God was a walk of safety. Let us not forget what God has done. Let us not forget those who died to bring us those freedoms. Most of all, let us not forget what Christ has done by dying on the cross for our sins to liberate us from the bondage of sin. Friends on Memorial Day, remember who God is. Remember what God has done. And number three, remember why God has done it. Why did God do these things? Why did he bring you out of Egypt? He did it so that you would no longer be their slaves. Why has God been so good to us? Why has Jesus died for our sins so that we would no longer be the servants of sin and instead we may be the servants of God. Paul says to the Romans in chapter 6, But thank God, he says, that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching you were transferred to, having been liberated from sin, you became a slave to righteousness. 
Thank God that you have come from being a servant of sin to being a servant of God. Friends, I've said it before, I'll say it again. God created you for a reason. And that reason is for you to serve Him. Jesus didn't just die on the cross to forgive you. That's a big part of it. Yes, He died on the cross, but because He died on the cross, we can be forgiven. But you have been created for a reason, and He died on the cross to give you a whole new life. That's why He says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. Friends, you find that abundant life when after being forgiven for your sin, you begin to serve the Lord in your life. Before there, remember who God is. Remember what God has done. Remember why He has done it. He died so that you would no longer have to be slow to sin. In the last sentence, remember what He has done. He says, I've enabled you to live in freedom. You go over Memorial Day, usually you find all of these patriotic. Shows and movies on them. There's a series uh, that was came out many years ago called Band of Brothers. Now, they'll take the fact that I mentioned this as, you know, I would warn you that this is not something to watch with your family. This is a hard thing. But one of the things that happens in Band of Brothers is, 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 is based on true stories and some of the characters in here are historical actual people that served in World War II. Close to the end, this robot historical character, Major Winner, said something like this. He says, you know, when we began this war, many men obeyed me because they were commanded to. Now they obey me because they trust me. You see, the men are and they will depend on the faithfulness of their commanding officer. And it's evident how they serve. Friends, when you and all us remember all that God has done and all that He is, we are reminded that we can trust Him. When we know we can trust God, we can trust where he, what He says, we can trust where He sends us, even when it doesn't make sense. Friends, we are so blessed to live in the United States of America, a nation whose motto is, In God We Trust, a nation whose pledge of allegiance defines itself as one nation under God, a nation whose National declarations are dead, are dated in the year of our Lord. A nation where we are free to worship, free to love God, free to love others according to the command of God. Like President Roosevelt once said, those who have long enjoyed such privileges as we enjoy forgiving and taught, the men of God complain. The Lord Jesus Christ knew that we would have trouble remembering these things. And so he commands us. He commands us in Scripture right here in Leviticus. We are told to remember who God is. In the New Testament, Jesus even gives us the Lord's Supper so that we would not forget what he would do. He tells us the Lord's Supper, and it's a remembrance of me. And so, listen, here, here's, here's where we're going to get right here. On Memorial Day, friends, please do not be guilty of forgetting who gave God on behalf of all of us. And don't be guilty of forgetting the things that matter and instead preserving the things that don't. Why did, why did we learn about 
such a sacrifice? Why is it important to pause and remember who God is and what God has done? And look at John says it best. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have ever lasting life. Don't be guilty of forgetting the things that 